Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Uh, This week I'm going to be talking about how to use self-hypnosis for anxiety. Now self-hypnosis is a really cool tool. I'm going to talk about it in a bit more detail in a moment. But one of the key things that I really like about it is that it gives people control back. So it's a skill that anyone can learn to help you manage the symptoms of anxiety. And it's something that I would really recommend that you consider looking into because from personal experience, it has helped me so much with being able to cope with various things that come up in life that cause us difficulties, that cause anyone difficulties. So I'm going to start with the basics. I'm going to start by talking about what hypnosis and self-hypnosis actually is, because I always start these episodes assuming that people have uh, looked into this or have listened to some of my previous episodes, but that's not always the case. So I'm going to start off by talking about what hypnosis is. I'm going to talk a little bit about the differences between self-hypnosis and mindfulness and when it can be best to use each particular approach. I'm also going to talk about self-hypnosis and how you use it for anxiety and also specifically I'm going to talk a little bit about whether or not it actually works and what evidence there is out there for that. Um, As well I'm going to be talking about whether self-hypnosis is better than having hypnotherapy sessions as well so that you can have a think about if you're thinking about doing something with your anxiety then I'm hoping this is information that will help you make a decision that is best for you. So let's start with hypnosis. What is hypnosis? What is self-hypnosis? Now, many people have seen hypnosis on the TV and associate it with people doing things outside of their control. And I do get a lot of clients that come in who are concerned about that. Um, They are concerned that I'm going to make them do something that they, they don't want to do. Now, this type of hypnosis, which some people argue isn't hypnosis at all, um, but other people do, basically uses a lot of suggestion and a certain amount of trickery to work and really only works on a small proportion of the population who we call suggestible people. When we're talking about hypnosis as a therapy tool, we're really talking about a hypnosis that is much more similar to being absorbed in a really good book. It's a calm, relaxed focus that just allows us to calm the mind and calm the body as well. So we can start to train the mind to think differently. And that's the key aspect here. So using hypnosis is particularly helpful with issues like anxiety because it really helps combat the overactive mind and the physical issues that come with anxiety that we're all quite familiar with. Now, when we talk about self-hypnosis, quite simply, self-hypnosis is hypnosis that you can do on your own. So you don't need a therapist to be there. You don't need an MP3 to talk you through it. It's just you controlling what your mind does in the process. Now, there are loads of benefits to this approach, um, but the main one that I find um, for clients, for myself, is it allows you to take control over how you think and how you feel. And the key thing for a lot of my clients is that by learning this skill, it means that you don't need loads and loads and loads of therapy sessions. So learning self-hypnosis does take some practice 
And this is why, if you've listened to my last episode, I mentioned that I'm launching a brand new course, and this is my Learn Self-Hypnosis Online course. So it does take some practice to learn self-hypnosis, but this is why I've developed the course that will be launching on the 16th of May, because it breaks self-hypnosis down into really simple steps that you can go through, practice at your own speed, and get comfortable with, so that you can learn how to do it for yourself in your own home. Now, one of the big things I get asked is, what is the difference between mindfulness and self-hypnosis? Are they the same? Are they different? Can you use them for different things? All of these types of questions. Now, honestly, these two approaches are very popular ways for people to learn how to manage anxiety. There are loads of new apps available that can offer you guided mindfulness, and often the language and techniques used in these mindfulness apps are very, very similar, if not the same as hypnosis. So a great example is a progressive muscle relaxation, which we hypnotists use as a way of inducing that calm, relaxed focus. But it's also been used as mindfulness to create awareness of the body. So there's a lot of overlap between the two different approaches. There is some evidence that both approaches use similar areas of the brain, specifically in areas associated with focus and attention. Um, but I have to say the neuroscience in this area is kind of still ongoing. And whilst we can image things and use functional MRI scans, there's still a lot that we don't know about the brain in order to make any really conclusive, clear, definitive answers on that. But there is some suggestion that they use similar areas. Now, from a personal point of view, um, I'm somebody that uses both mindfulness and self-hypnosis, and my personal experience of the two is quite different. So I personally tend to use mindfulness specifically for relaxation and to dissipate feelings of stress or anxiety, whereas I use self-hypnosis more for therapeutic exercises such as visualising stuff, building self-motivation, building resilience and improving my confidence. So when I'm teaching clients, when I'm doing it for myself, self-hypnosis is much more goal-oriented. Generally speaking, when we're doing self-hypnosis, we're doing it for a purpose, to improve something or prepare for something that's going to happen. Mindfulness is much more about the present moment, not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future, just being in the present moment. So that can be quite a key difference between the two approaches. Now, I find both approaches to be really, really effective, and I think they work really well together as part of an overall mental health support and wellness strategy. So my personal recommendation would be have a go at both, because you can use them both whenever you like to help you in whatever way is best for you, really. Now, the key question. Is self-hypnosis better than having hypnotherapy sessions? Now, a lot of the scientists who research hypnosis and self-hypnosis argue that all hypnosis really is self-hypnosis. This is because really it's difficult to hypnotise somebody unless they want to be hypnotised. Even the TV stuff, it really wouldn't work on you if you didn't want it to work. So when I'm working with a client, they mentally have to be engaged with the process that we're going through. So even when I'm hypnotising a client in a session, I can't really control what goes on in their mind. I make the suggestions, I talk through the different exercises, I talk through the visualisations, I give them the suggestions that we've developed together, but it's up to the client to go along with that in their head. 
Now, the big difference between learning self-hypnosis for yourself and having sessions with a hypnotherapist is obviously when there's somebody there, there's a lot more guidance. So we can use our expertise in sessions to recommend what would be beneficial for the problem that you're having. And we can also talk you through it and give you instructions on how to actually do those things. Now, the thing I would say is that, in my opinion, any decent hypnotherapist would actually teach you self-hypnosis after a few sessions anyway. And really, I do that so that my clients don't need constant support from me, because you can't expect people to be in therapy for years on end. They have to learn their own skills and their own ability to cope with situations. You can't really... I personally feel like it's unethical to build a reliance on a therapist. So in my opinion, it's best to teach your clients self-hypnosis anyway, so that they can learn how to cope with the difficulties that come up in their lives for the rest of their lives. Now, self-hypnosis does take a little bit more discipline, especially if you're going through, for example, the online course where you're learning from scratch by yourself. It can often be a little bit easier to have someone talk you through it. And that's often where clients who come to sessions find those more beneficial because they'll have somebody talking them through hypnosis to begin with. They'll get to learn what it feels like, how to do it with somebody else directing them. And then after that, they can go off and learn to do it for themselves with support and encouragement from someone like myself. And ultimately, if you're somebody who feels like you would need more support, then obviously sessions with a therapist would be better for you personally. But really, self-hypnosis is quite easy to learn. So it's almost worth thinking about trying that first, uh, potentially before even booking sessions, just to see if it's something that you can get on board with. If you find it difficult or you find it a struggle, then of course a therapist can help you talk you through any issues that you're facing and make sure that you're kind of doing it in the right way or doing it in the right way that's best for you. So one of the key questions I get asked is, does self-hypnosis work? And obviously that's quite a key and important question because most people are not motivated by going through and learning a skill unless it's going to have some sort of benefit for them. Now, the cool thing about self-hypnosis is that it's a skill. So you can learn and then use it in whatever way suits you personally. So from a personal point of view, I have used self-hypnosis to overcome negative thinking about myself, control those really stressful and uncomfortable symptoms of anxiety, and build self-confidence. Now, the key thing is that all of these outcomes have had a huge impact on my life and the things that I'm able to do. Certainly things like the public speaking engagements that I do, I would never have done years ago, and I would have talked myself out of doing them quite early on in the process. Whereas using self-hypnosis for a particular purpose with specific goals and exercises in mind, I can actually make myself overcome these issues. Now, there is some research into hypnosis and self-hypnosis. Um, if you go onto Google and search research into self-hypnosis, there'll be a link that comes up for scholarly articles. All you need to do is click on that and you'll get given a great big long list of all the research that's out there. And there's no harm in having a bit of a, a peruse around and having a bit of a look uh, because it can be quite educational to have a look at some of the research that's out there. Now, one example that I've got here, it was done by Richardson and colleagues in 2006. 
And the key thing here was that they were teaching children self-hypnosis in order to help them manage their own um, their own reactions to uh, cancer treatment, basically. And they found that being taught self-hypnosis helps them self-manage the symptoms. And what it does is it gives them something called self-efficacy and mastery over their own pain and their own distress in that situation. And they found that the active participation in their own care had an additional beneficial therapeutic effect as well. Now, obviously, this is a very specific example in cancer patients. Um, but what it seems that we're finding is that the effectiveness of self-hypnosis is related to the amount of control that a person feels like they have over a situation or over the issues that they're facing. Now, of course, when we're talking about anxiety, generally speaking, the anxiety is caused by a feeling of not being able to cope in certain situations. So, for example, in social situations, for somebody that has social anxiety disorder. So what I'm finding and what I've found over the years is that when I'm teaching a client how to take control of these issues, their self-belief improves, their confidence improves, their resilience improves, their self-efficacy improves. And basically, they believe in themselves more. And so if a client believes in their ability to cope in that situation, they therefore improve their ability to cope in that situation. Now, like all therapeutic interventions, there will be some people who just don't like the approach and therefore don't see the benefits that we would like from it. But the basic message here is that self-hypnosis is a skill that anyone can learn and benefit from. Now, as I've mentioned, my new Learn Self-Hypnosis course online is launching on the 16th of May. Um, if you're listening to this before the 16th of May, then we're doing a launch event for it. I will put the link in the description for this podcast episode. But what you can do is you can register your interest in the course. And when it launches, which will be on the 16th of May, then you will have access to the course but at a hugely discounted price. Um, just to get it kick-started and give people who are interested a bit of a, a heads up and a leg up. There'll also be the opportunity to access some bonus modules as well if you're one of the first few people to sign up. So make sure you head to the link in the description of this podcast and make sure you go and have a look at that and have a look at what's in there because there's loads of fantastic stuff that we're covering in that course. Uh, a really comprehensive guide on how to actually just do self-hypnosis for yourself at home. If you're listening to this podcast after the launch, then have a look on my website because it will be available to purchase on my website anyway. I hope you stay safe. The UK is still in lockdown, so hopefully that won't last too much longer, but as long as necessary for us all to stay safe. So I hope you remain safe and well, and I hope that your families remain safe and well throughout this crisis as well. And I will speak to you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.